0: church this morning. and Can we one more time just give all those that are here for the very first time, give them a big hand, church. Come on, welcome them. We're so glad that you're hanging out with us here at Vibrant Church today. Before we get into the Word of God, let me just encourage you, this Wednesday night, I want you to join me live on Facebook Live, 7 p.m. Log into Vibrant Church's Facebook page. I've got a word I wanna share with you from my heart. I've got a teaching I wanna give to you this Wednesday night for the times that we're in that I really believe will, will uplift you. I think it will... It'll strengthen your hope. It'll strengthen your faith. It'll give you some direction, maybe some keys that you're looking for in your life. But I just want you to join me. Facebook Live, Wednesday night. It's gonna be great midweek, seven o'clock. I wanna see you there. I wanna welcome you to our brand new series that we're kicking off today called Make It Count. Everybody say, make it count. Make it count, I hope you got your note sheet today. If you're online, the uh, chat room host should be dropping a link in there already for you to download the note sheet. We're gonna be in Hebrews 11 today. I can't wait to jump into this with you because I really believe that the times that we're living in now, I've talked to so many people in the last several months of all of this chaos that's going on and all this fear and all this uncertainty that we see in our culture And a lot of what we're seeing even the experts are showing us that during this all this season of the social isolation and all the things that are happening, we're seeing things like suicide rise, we're seeing alcoholism off the chart, drug addiction off the chart, we're seeing family turmoil off the chart, people dealing depression statistically is off the chart than it ever has been. And I really believe that a lot of people today Are wrestling with the question, and even if you're not dealing with any of those things, many people that I talk to today are dealing with this issue of man, does my life even count? Does my life even matter for anything? and all of this great big world that we're in, even microing it down to our community of of Columbus and Lowndes County, even in spite of of being in a smaller community like this, in all of the bigness of the culture and the world and everything happening, many people are dealing and wrestling with the question, does my life even count? Does it even matter, is it significant about it, or for anything that's purposeful at all? And I'm telling you right now, the fact that you're living and breathing and you've got a heartbeat this morning is evidence that God believes your life counts for something important, for something purposeful. And you've only got one shot, and so you gotta make it count. Come on, somebody say, make it count. It's game seven of the NBA Finals. Tied score, one second on the clock, and your guy goes to the free throw line for one final shot. You got one shot. Somebody say, make it count. Game seven of the World Series. It's bottom of the ninth. Your team's down by one point. There's two outs. There's a man on third. One last batter. He's staring down a three-two pitch. If he hits a home run, they win. He strikes out, they lose. You got one swing. Make it count. Super Bowl, fourth quarter. Your team's down by one, three seconds on the clock. Your kicker trots out there to attempt a 50 yard game winning field goal. You got one kick? Make it count. You've been dating her for a while. You're getting closer. Come on, you're starting to get that loving feeling starting to believe this is the one God has for you, right? And after the next date, you walk her to the door to say goodnight and your eyes lock and it's the perfect moment for that first kiss and you start to lean in and your heart is racing. The moment is here. Come on, you got one shot. You better make it count. I believe a lot of futures have been ruined by a first kiss. Come on, say amen, everybody. You're in the hospital room, you just had your first baby, and as you, you're holding your child for the very first time, you realize that you've only got one shot at this parenting thing. Come on, somebody say make it count. But I really want you to let this one sink in, because the Bible says that your life and my life is just a vapor, it's here and it's gone, just just a vapor compared to eternity. 50 60 70 80 maybe 90 years that we live on this earth is just a vapor you've only got one life you've only got one shot make it count and this is going to be our focus over the next few weeks we're going to be talking about how to make our life count especially in the generation and the times that we're living in and today I want to talk to you about the fact that if you want to make your life count listen to me it's your choice It's your choice whether or not your life counts. It's your choice whether or not your life matters in eternal things. It is your choice. Come on, touch your neighbor and tell them it's your choice. It's your choice. And today we're gonna look at Moses, who I consider to be the greatest person in the Old Testament for numerous reasons. He got the 10 commandments from God. He led the children of Israel out of 400 years of slavery in Egypt. He wrote the first five books of the Bible. He was used in a bunch of different miracles and he was just an amazing man. So many things that he accomplished for the Lord. Why did God choose Moses? It's very simple, it's because Moses chose God. And it's because Moses made a number of very important decisions. He settled four key issues that everyone has to deal with in their life. And I wanna show you what they are. If you got a note sheet, write these down. These are four key issues that every one of us will deal with. First of all, there is the issue of identity. And that is the question of, you know, who am I? My identity. Next is the issue, right quick, it's the issue of responsibility. Responsibility. What am I doing with my life? So we have the issue of identity, who am I? And then we have to deal with the issue of responsibility. What am I doing with my life? And then we have to deal with the issue of priority. And that is what's really the most important thing in my life. And then we come to the fourth issue, and that is the issue of difficulty. And that is how much am I willing to commit to what I'm giving my life for? How much am I willing to sacrifice? These are the issues that every one of us have to deal with in life. And Moses made the right choice in each instance. So today I wanna give you the four foundations for personal success. Four foundations for really making your life count for making an impact with the life that God's given you. And I really want you to lean into this this morning because this is the foundation for everything I'm gonna share with you over the next few weeks as we look at how to make an impact with your life. Are you ready, everybody say yes. If I want my life to count, if I wanna make an impact with my life, if I want my life to matter for something beyond myself, write this down, number one, I must discover what God made me to be. That's the first and foremost thing. I must discover what God made me to be. You have to understand, Moses was born a Hebrew slave, but he was raised as Pharaoh's grandson in in Pharaoh's palace, which was one of the most opulent places in the world at that time. So Moses really, as he grew, he dealt with a full-blown identity crisis. He was too Hebrew to be Egyptian. He was too Egyptian to be Hebrew. And he had to decide, am I Jewish or am I Egyptian? Am I a slave or am I royalty? Understand, the major consequences of that decision would affect the rest of his life. If he chose to say, well, I'm Pharaoh's grandson, then he had fame and fortune and he had a life of luxury. He had a promising career. He could have very well been heir to the throne of Egypt. But if he chose to say, I'm Jewish and I'm of Jewish slaves, then he, he would be rejected. He would be despised. He'd be thrown out and humiliated. He would live the life of a slave for the rest of his life. And scripture reveals that Moses refused to live a lie. He was a man of integrity. He was a man of character. If we jump into Hebrews 11, here's what verse 24 has to say about Moses. It says, by faith, Moses, when he had grown up, He refused, everybody say refused. He refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Look at that. It says that he refused. It means to disown. It means to reject. It means to leave no door open. It is settled. It is done. So watch, Moses insisted on being what God made him to be and no amount of peer pressure could convince him otherwise. He said, this is who I really am. And I just wanna encourage somebody today in this room, somebody watching online right now, God made you for a purpose. I don't care who told you what, you are not a mistake. You are not a failure. God made you for a purpose and his calling is irrevocable. His purpose on your life cannot be reversed. Can you say amen? He has a purpose for your life. He created you to be unique, and he wants you to be you. Be yourself. If you don't be you, who's gonna be you? The first secret of success is be yourself. Come on, touch the person next to him. Tell them, be yourself. Just be yourself. Quit trying to be somebody else. Quit trying to be somebody you're not. I'm telling you, that should relieve a lot of ulcers and bring a lot of peace to someone's life right now. You know, I'm just going to be myself. Hey, if God is for me and you don't like me, then you've got a problem. Amen, everybody. God created you to be you. Quit trying to conform. Quit trying to look like everybody else. Quit trying to act like everybody else. Quit trying to talk like everybody else. Quit trying to, to, to say the same thing and have the same thing and purchase the same thing as everybody else. Come on, be yourself. Be who God created you to be. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. So discover, first of all, who God made you to be. That's the first step in making your life count, is I need to discover who, not who my mama wanted me to be. Not who my daddy expected me to be. Not who the company wants me to be. I need to find out who God made me to be. Guess what? You ain't gonna stand before your mom and daddy when you die. You're gonna stand before God. And you're gonna give an account for the life that God stewarded and entrusted to you. So I wanna find out who God made me to be. The second thing, if I wanna make my life count, this is a big one, write this down. I must accept responsibility for my own life. It is is real quiet right there. I must accept responsibility for my own life. Stop making excuses for your life. Stop blaming other people for your life. You need to take responsibility and take initiative. Look at this play out in the life of Moses. In Hebrews 11 and verse 25, it goes on to say, he chose, everybody say he chose. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. So notice it says he chose. Listen, if you wanna make your life count, it's your choice. It's your choice. Guess what? You're as close to God as you want to be. You read the Bible as much as you want to read it. It's your choice. Somebody say it's your choice. God has given you the freedom of choice and the choices you make determine your future. So notice in verse 24, we have Moses refusing, but in verse 25, we have Moses choosing. So he follows a negative action with a positive action. And in verse 23, it says that God chose Moses as a baby, but in verse 25, it says that Moses had to choose God at some point. Can I tell you right now, when you were born, God already chose you. But there comes a part of your life that God's given you free will and free choice. Even though he's chosen you, you must choose him. In verse 24 of Hebrews 11, look what it says. It says, by faith, Moses, when he had grown up, I believe some people today just need to grow up. I'm back off vacation. I can say what I want to say. How many believe some people just need to grow up today? Don't miss this because a mark of maturity is when you start accepting responsibility for your own life. That's the mark of maturity. When you stop blaming other people for where you are and who you are in life. As a baby, it was okay for Moses to live off of his parents' faith, but when he had grown up, he had to make that decision on his own. He had to go God's way because he wanted to go God's way. Let me give you three facts of life that I believe are irrevocable. Write these down in your notes. First fact of life is this right here. I can't live off other people's faith. You've heard people say, well, you know, my parents were Christians. I hear, this, I hear this all the time, and, it, and it, breeds, it breeds more in the southeast where we call home because this is a, a very spiritual uh, part of the country and its roots and its heritage. You go up north or you go out west, and, and listen, there's no, there is no gray area. People will tell you they don't know God. They don't care. They'll tell you I'm not a Christian. They don't care. How many of you found out that in the south, everybody's a Christian? I have pastors call me all the time. How is it that y'all have people coming to Jesus and getting saved every service, every single Sunday in a town like Columbus in the South? I tell them, I got to get them unsaved before they find out that they can get saved. Because <laughs> they've been believing the law of religion for their whole life, thinking they were born again and they really weren't. So you, I hear it all the time. When I ask people, when I meet people, sometimes I have people come to me in town or, or wherever I'm at and they'll say, hey, are you, and they don't, they don't necessarily attend Vibrant, but they, they recognize me or whatever and they say, hey, are you, are you the pastor of Vibrant Church? Yes, I am. And I, sometimes I'll just for fun ask them the question, are you a Christian? You know the answer I get? 99.999999 percent of the time. It's this right here. Oh yeah, I go to such and such church. I didn't ask you where you went to church. Going to church doesn't make you a Christian, just like going to McDonald's don't make you a hamburger. That's good preaching right there. You could tweet that. That's a tweetable moment. Hallelujah. But you hear it all the time. I hear people say, hey, are you a Christ follower? Oh, yeah, my parents were Christians. Well, my dad was a missionary. Well, my husband and wife, they're a believer. So what? You need a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ yourself. Some of you are teenagers. Listen to me, teenagers. It's time to grow up. You need to quit living off the spiritual apron strings of your parents and get your own faith. Walk with God yourself. Listen to God yourself. Get in God's word yourself. Learn to His ways and His voice yourself. Learn His power on your own. The Bible says when Moses grew up, he chose. Everybody say he chose. So the first. The first fact of life is you can't live off other people's faith. Let me give you the second fact of life, and it's this right here. I can't blame others for the direction of my life. I can't blame other people for where I'm at right now. Now, society says the exact opposite. Society says it ain't your fault. You're a product of your environment. Just blame other people for your messed up life. So you made a series of 150 bad decisions, but it's somebody's fault 10 years back. Ah, this is good preaching right here. You can't blame other people for the direction of your life. The way you spell blame is be lame. Because when you're blaming, you're being lame. You can't blame other people for the direction of your life. Why? It's your life. Now, you can't control all the circumstances, but how many believe you can choose how you'll respond? So you can't live off other people's faith. You can't blame other people for the direction of your life. And here's a third fact of life right here: is no one can ruin my life except me. We need to quit giving man too much power. Nobody had. Jesus told Pil- Pilate, "said Don't you know that I have the authority to take your life?" And Jesus looked Pilate right in the face and said, "Let me tell you something, son. You would have no power over me if it were not given to you from my Father." We need, to stop. we need to stop giving man so much power. Oh, my boss controls my life. Oh, my parents control my life. Oh, I gotta pay. No, no, no. Nobody, nobody can ruin my life. Not the boss, not the parents, not the friends, not the relationship. Nobody can ruin my life except for me. It's my life. I'm not giving man that kind of power. Nobody has any power over me and the destiny that God's given me except God himself. Can I get an amen somebody? No one can rule my life except me, and therefore, I am free to choose how I respond. And so if I wanna make my life count, I must discover what God made me to be, and I must accept responsibility for my life, for my own life. Here's the third, here's the third principle. If you wanna make your life count, it's this right here, write this down. I must establish a value system for my life. Everybody say Values. If you're gonna make your life count, you need to settle the issue of what is really important. Clarify it in your life. Moses clarified his values and his priorities. In Hebrews 11, in verse 26, it says that he regarded, everybody say regarded. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt, because he was looking ahead to his reward. He was looking ahead. So notice it says that he regarded, he regarded. The word means to evaluate. It means to consider. It means to weigh in the balance. It means to, to judge. And so this is not something that you do quickly. It's not something that you do lightly, but you need to sit down and seriously consider what in the world am I living for? what in the world is a value and priority to me? What are you living for? If I were to ask you the, the, the five or 10 values, the pillars on which you're building your life, would you be able to do it? You gotta think it through. You gotta process and, and, and really regard what those values are. It says Moses regarded what is important and he knew what was not important. And most people have never done that. And that's why there are failures at life is because they're living for values that don't exist. They're living for values that don't produce anything. They don't know why they are the way they are. They don't know what they want to accomplish in life. They don't know what's really important at all. You need to establish values in life. The things that you're gonna build your life on, the things that are most important to you, and you need to write them down. And why do I say write them down? Listen, because if you don't decide what's important for your life, other people will. You you may have heard the phrase, God loves you, but everybody has a wonderful plan for your life. If you don't decide what's valuable for your life and what you're gonna base your life on, other people will do it for you. I'm telling you, the world is more than happy to pressure you into its mold and push its value system on your life. We got a lot of Christians today who know the Lord, but they've bought into the world's value system and they're living that system without even thinking about it rationally. They've just adopted it, just almost incognito. They've just kind of been acclimated to the world's value. They don't even realize what the, And so what is the world's value system? Let me tell you what it is, it's very simple, write this down. Here's the world's value system very clearly. First of all, the world's value system is power and prestige. That's the first part of the world's value system. I wanna be famous. I wanna be popular. I want power, I want authority, I want control, I want high position, I want to be in control. But next, is not just power and prestige, the second part of the world's value system is pleasure. I wanna, I, I, I wanna feel good, I wanna be happy, I wanna have fun, I want instant gratification, pleasure. The world's got a lot of that. But the next part of the world's value system is possessions possessions. I want to make a fortune. I want to be wealthy. I want to be filthy rich. Never forget, all temptation falls into one of these categories. Now, is God against you having authority? Is God against you having a pleasure in your life? Is God against you having things? No, he just wants them to be in the proper priority. Seek first, Jesus said, his kingdom, and then everything else will fall in line. Right? All temptation will fall in one of these three categories. In fact, if you're a parent, I just wanna challenge you. Someday, I want you to sit down with your children, and I want you to watch TV, what they're watching, look at what they're searching on the internet, and I want you to evaluate the commercials, evaluate the ads they see online, and you'll notice that every advertisement in the world falls under one of these three categories. It's either an ad to produce more pleasure, It's either an ad to produce more power, you'll have more power and prestige if you have this or do this or look this way, or you could have more possessions if you buy into what we're doing. Every single advertisement is based on the world's value system to get you hooked into really an idolatrous position of worshiping one of these three things. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? What's ironic is Moses by the world's standards, had it made. Moses had all three. He had power. He was practically heir to the throne of the most powerful country in the world at that time, the country of Egypt. He had pleasure. I mean, every whim he had would have been satisfied in the palace of Egypt. He was on easy street, man. He had it made. He also had possessions. The wealth of the whole world was concentrated in the nation of Egypt at that time. Moses had it all. He had power. He had prestige. He had, po- he had possessions. He had pleasure. He had it all, but he walked away from every bit of it. Moses walked away from the very three things that we spend our lives trying to get and accomplish. Why? Because he knew, listen, because he knew they don't last. None of these things last. The world's values do not last. They won't last 50 years from now, much less will they last in eternity. Moses said no to the world, and he said yes to God. See, you have gotta realize, when you say yes to God, it means you have gotta say no to certain other things. And I'll be honest, it's way easier to say yes to God than it is to say no to other things. You see, we want Christ plus all the things the world offers. Well, I'll just, you know, live my life and do my thing, man. And I'll just tack Jesus onto everything else in my life. And I'll give him a little time. I'll give a little time to God on Sunday morning. But I'm buying into the world system. During the week, six days a week, I'm going to go after these things. And I'll just tack Jesus on Sunday and pay him a token. But Jesus said, you can't serve two masters. The problem with a lot of Christians today is they're afraid to say no to the world's value system. But understand, what you lose when you don't say no is your happiness. And do you know why? Because compromise only makes you miserable when you're trying to live for Jesus and live for the world at the same time. It can't be done. It will make you miserable. Listen, I've been, I've been doing this for a long time and I can't tell you how many Christians every year I talk to who are miserable, who are bound up in their heart, who feel like they're in a straitjacket, who are constantly heavy. And the reason why is because they're trying to live for God and they're trying to adopt the world's value system at the same time and it don't work that way. God says, I'm either Lord of all or I'm not Lord at all. You need to learn to say no to the world's value system. You need to learn to say with conviction, I'm not gonna be sucked in to the world's value system, the rat race, the hollow lifestyle that says it's all about power and pleasure and passions and prestige and and power. It doesn't last, none of it lasts. So while everybody around me is buying into this system, I'm not gonna buy into that. That's the kind of person Moses was. And that's why he made an impact with his life. He went against the current of the world. And so what was Moses' value system? Let me show you real quick, three things. Here was Moses' value system. Write this down. He valued God's purpose. He said God's purpose is more valuable than popularity. Moses said, God has a plan for my life. I'm gonna lead these people to freedom. That's the purpose that God has for me. The Bible says he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He says, I'm gonna give up the prestige. I'm gonna give up the power. I'm gonna give up the popularity because it doesn't last. It doesn't last. In fact, think about it. Whoever was the most popular in high school, people don't even remember them no more. People don't even know who they are. It's funny, you'll see them every once in a while because they hadn't grown up yet emotionally. They're in their 40s and 50s and still living a dream. You see them at the football game, at the high school football game, and they're still wearing their Letterman jacket. All right, all right, all right. Still living a dream. Nobody even remembers them no more. Everybody's done moved on. Some of you were popular in high school, went to your 10-year reunion, nobody even knew who you were. It doesn't last. How many of you know one minute you're a hero, the next minute you're a zero? People couldn't care less. Pride and prestige is fleeting. This year's superstars are next year's has-beens. That's why you can't live for fame, why you can't live for popularity. It's fleeting. It doesn't last. Moses said, I'd rather do God's purpose. I'd rather do what God has called me to do than to be in a place of power and prestige. He wasn't impressed by the popularity. Here's the second part of Moses' value system is that he He said that people are more valuable than pleasures. People are more valuable. Everybody say people. Notice what it says about him. in going back to Hebrews 11, look what it says in verse 25. It says, he chose to be mistreated along with the people of God because they were in slavery at the time rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. Man, I like this verse. I like this verse because the Bible always tells the truth. Bible never lies. Bible never sugarcoats. I don't care who told you that, that sin ain't fun. The Bible says there is pleasure in sin. Bible says sin is fun. Of course it's fun. If it wasn't no fun, nobody'd do it. If you don't think sin is fun, you ain't doing it right. But notice the Bible also says that sin is pleasurable, but it's fleeting. It's only for a season. It's a short time. It doesn't last. And then when it's over comes the destruction and the devastation and the emptiness and the hurt and the loneliness and the guilt and the shame and the pain. So Moses could have temporary pleasure being next, the, the, the next Pharaoh in Egypt, or he could go do what God called him to do and help people who were in pain and who needed to be set free. He could have stayed there in pleasure, and today, nobody would even know who he was. Nobody would know. He'd be some mummy in some cave up in there somewhere in Egypt. Nobody even know who Moses was today, but he chose the right thing. Understand, any whim he would have wanted satisfied was there in Egypt, but in order to do the right thing, he chose discomfort over pleasure. How many of you know, that's an unheard of value in 2020. Choosing discomfort over pleasure because it's the right thing to do? How foreign to our society that is. Moses did the right thing, why? For the sake of people. I really believe now more than ever, God is calling us to value people over pleasure. Not that God doesn't want you to have pleasure in life, He doesn't want you to enjoy things, He just wants it in the right priority. You want to make your life count? Value people more than pleasure. Why do you think we have hundreds of people here at Vibrant who serve on our dream team, who sacrifice their time and their talents and their and their giftings to come and to serve people? Why do you think we have outreaches where people give of their time and they sacrifice their time to go out and serve? Listen, they don't even look at it as an obligation. I talk to a lot of them. They say, man, this is the most fulfilling thing I've done all week. This is the most purposeful thing I've done all month. This is rejuvenating to me. This, this builds my faith. This makes me feel closer to Jesus because how many believe? people are what's most important. It's people. Jesus says, seek first the kingdom. What is the focus of God's kingdom? People. What did Jesus die for? People. What should the church be about? Programs? Budgets? Social clubs? How many believe the church should be about people? because the church is people, it's not a building. The church is people. I believe more than ever, God is calling his people to be about people, more than to be about pleasure. The problem with many of us is we wanna serve God, but we only wanna serve him when it's convenient. We don't wanna serve him when it's inconvenient. Not, 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 not counting the virus and, and in people who need to shelter because of preexisting conditions and things like that, but besides that, how many people stay home pre-COVID? How many people stay home from churches all over America simply because it's sprinkled? I mean, Saturday, they were at the ball game in torrential rain with, with, with plastic draped drenched out, stood in line, freezing cold, yelling till their veins are popping out. But Sunday morning they wake up and look out the window and spring. Oh. I don't know if it's safe. The roads may be too slick. All this garbage we come up with. Cuz it's not convenient. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It's not convenient. Let me tell you, that's a minor inconvenience compared to the fact that in many countries today, you could be arrested for going to church. You could be put in jail for going to church. You could lose your job. You could lose your life for going to church. And we're talking about some rain. We have such a convenient Christianity here in America. It's so easy. Moses said, no, no, no. People are more valuable to, valuable to me than pleasure." Are y'all getting this today? Here's the, here's the next part of Moses' value system. He said God's peace is more valuable than possessions. God's peace. How many of you would rather have the peace of God than all the possessions in the world? Listen, there's no greater feeling in the world than to go to bed at night and put your head on a pillow knowing that you are at peace with God. I, I would rather live up under a bridge at peace with God than in a palace far from him. In verse 26 of Hebrews 11, it goes on to say that he regarded disgrace. Moses regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as a far greater value in the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. And so watch this. In verse 24, he rejects the world's measure of success. In verse 25, he rejects the world's pleasure. In verse 26, he rejects the world's treasure. And those are really the big three. It's really the measure of success, it's the pleasure of the world, and the treasure of the world. He chose to do what's right because God's peace is more important than all the possessions this world could give you. He could have stayed in the palace in Egypt, man, and had every possession he ever wanted. He could have had every luxury his heart desired, but he knew no possession could give you inner peace. Nothing you crave, nothing you you want, nothing your eyes lust for is ever gonna bring you the inner peace that you really want. He would have been miserable not doing what God wanted him to do. You see, peace doesn't come from the things that you own. Peace comes from being in the center of God's will, being what God made you to be, doing what God made you to do. That's where real peace comes from. But no matter how much we talk about this, most Americans think that you can purchase peace. You can purchase happiness. You know, it's an American right. Life, liberty, and the purchase of happiness. are doing it all the time. Well, if I just had this bigger house. And then we get a little bigger house, and all of a sudden, we're looking at somebody else's house. God gives us a little bigger house, and we're going, but it don't have granite countertops. <laughs> but I'm not happy. So then we get the granite countertops, and all of a sudden, it's, oh, but, but there's no, we don't have the nice wood floors like, like they do across the street at the Joneses. Well, then all of a sudden you get the hardwood floor. And I was like, oh, we need to expand the closet because the Joneses have that too. Trying to find peace in possessions. Let me tell you something. The Joneses didn't die for you. They didn't shed their blood for you. They don't, you ain't gonna answer to them. You ain't gonna, they ain't gonna be in eternity checking you off. It's God that we owe an account to. And how many believe we need to learn a little more contentment? Just be thankful for what we have. That God will give us more. Listen, if we're a good steward of the little he has given us, he'll give us more. You're like, I don't know, I'm not blessed. Well, let's look at how you're stewarding what God's already given you. And the evidence is right there that God is faithful to his word. Why don't you start being faithful with the little? God will trust you with more. He'll bless. This is why tithing is, is a non-option for me. Like, I don't know, why I'm not financially blessed. Do you honor God with his tithe No. Well, there you go. Why would God trust? Well, you hear people say it all the time. Well, when I make more, I'll give, I'll give something to the Lord. No, you won't. No, you won't. If you can't take 50 cents out of a $5 bill, then you're not gonna take $50 out of 500. It starts with the little things. Can I get an amen, somebody? So God doesn't have a, don't have a problem with you having possessions. He just wants your heart. He just wants your heart. And you see Americans just trying to purchase happiness, life, liberty, and the purchase of happiness, right? Well, if I just get this for Christmas, then I'll be happy. Will you still be happy in January? Or has the shine worn off? You know how you are when you get a new car, I man, you save for it, you you're so excited, you get the new car for about, about three weeks, you love it. All of a sudden, the minute the new car smells gone, well, this the whole thing. Then a little scratch gets on. Oh, man, this whole thing. Here's what Jesus said in Luke chapter 12. Jesus said, a man's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. My value has absolutely nothing to do with the kind of car I drive. See, my self-worth and my net worth are two different things. Maybe I could afford any car I want, but that's not a value to me. And that's what we're talking about. What do you value? What matters most? The fact is God's peace is more important than possessions. How many believe that's what counts, right? It's amazing to me. Moses could have, Moses had all three things, man. Moses gave up the very three things that we spend our lives trying to get. Pleasure, possessions, and prestige and power. So what motivated this guy? What made him do that? What made him live that way? I love this. In verse 26, it says this about Moses. Because he was looking ahead to his reward. That's what made him do it. Come on, Moses had perspective. Everybody say perspective. What motivates you to reject the world's value system and accept God's value system for your life? It's your perspective. It's all in what you're looking at. Are you looking at the here and now or are you looking ahead toward eternity? Most people live for the here and now, totally unaware of the fact that they're gonna spend way more time on that side of eternity than the 60, 70, 80 years that they live on this earth. Is that wise? No. You need to know your values determine, or your vision, your values are determined by your vision. Whatever you're looking at is what you're valuing. Whatever you're looking at is what becomes most important to your life. So what are you focusing on? What are you looking at? What's most important to you in your life? Things that are going to last or are they things that won't even last 10 years from now, much less even in eternity? Moses was a man of vision. He had Moses had eyes of faith. He had eyes of faith. And so let's recap if I wanna make my life count, if I wanna be a success, if I, want, if I wanna make an impact with my life, I got one shot and I gotta make it count. And it's my choice, it's my choice. Everybody say it's my choice. Then the, here's what I gotta do. I gotta discover what God made me to be. I need to accept responsibility for my own life. I need to establish a value system for my life. And then here's number four, write this down. Never take my eye off the goal. Never take my eye off the goal. I love it because Hebrews 11, going back to verse 27, it says this, by faith, it says Moses left Egypt not fearing the king's anger, watch this, he persevered because he saw him who is invisible. (laughs) Don't miss this, you must visualize your goal. You gotta focus on it. Successful people are focused people. They know how to focus on one thing and they attack it. You constantly keep it before you. Why is vision so important? Because the secret of success is persistence. And the secret of persistence is vision. Vision pulls you forward so that when you wanna give up, you don't. You have your eyes on the ultimate reward. You don't give in and you don't give up for nothing and for nobody. Look again at verse 27. I want you to see this. It says that by faith he left Egypt. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders us and the sin which so easily entangles and let us run with what? perseverance the race that is marked out for us. Let us do what? Fix our eyes on Jesus. It says in verse 27 that by faith he left Egypt, Moses left Egypt fearing the king's anger but it says he persevered, he persevered, he persevered. The key to success is that Moses had tremendous endurance. He refused to give up no matter what happened no matter what impossible situations, no matter what critics, no matter what viruses, no matter what economic instability, no, no matter whatever was going on in the world, Moses refused to be detoured. He refused to give up. And understand that Moses also spent his whole life waiting. Watch this, from the time that God gave Moses the vision and the dream of setting free the nation of Israel after 400 years of slavery to the time that that dream was fulfilled and they were ready to go into the promised land. Watch, it was 80 years. 80 years between a dream and the fulfillment of the dream. Could you wait that long and not give up? If God tells you something and it doesn't happen for 80 years of your life, Moses spent 40 years in Midian just waiting on God to say, Go, start. Let me ask you, do you ever get tired of waiting on God? Do delays tempt you to give up? Have you learned the difference between no and not yet? And see, one of the big things that we have to understand is that God's delays are not God's denials. Just because God delays something doesn't mean he's saying no. He's just saying not yet. And that's really one of the big tests of faith. One of the big tests of faith is how long can you wait? How long can you wait? You must keep your eyes on the vision. Keep your eye on the goal. Keep your eye on what counts in life so you do not get discouraged. Are y'all getting this today? I saw a picture one time of the sun Shining through a rock that had a hole in it. And the caption said, obstacles are what you see when you take your eye off the goal. What are you looking at? Are you looking at the obstacles or are you looking at the opportunities? Are you looking at the problems or are you looking at the one who can solve the problems? It's all a matter of vision. It's all a matter of what you focus on in your life. That's the key to endurance is and perspective is vision. It says that, let us run. I want you to notice this right here. It says, let us run with perseverance. Look at the two let us's, I like this. The two directives, let us run with perseverance, and let us fix our eyes on Jesus. Notice those two directives. Let us run with perseverance, and let us fix our eyes on Jesus. You got to understand, those two directives go together. When you fix your eyes on Jesus, you're gonna run with perseverance, right? The question is, what do you have your eyes on? What are you living for? Who are you living for? Yourself? Somebody once said that a self-made man worships his maker. If you're living for yourself, how many of you know that's a pretty small God, right? What are you gonna do with the rest of your days on this earth? Whether you have 80 days, or 80 years, or just till next Sunday. I don't know, and you don't know either. None of us know how many days we have left. Every one of us were born with an expiration date attached to our life. But none of us know what it is, only God does. And it's amazing to me how people live their whole life unprepared for the most inevitable of all, which is death. They prepare for taxes and you prepare for the presentation at work and we'll prepare for all kinds of things in this vapor of a life. But when you sit down and talk to people and ask them, are you prepared for death? Man, it just gets real awkward. They give no thought. They give no thought to that preparation. So what are you gonna do? It's very important because what you do with your days on earth and how you spend them are gonna profoundly influence where you spend eternity and how you spend eternity. This life that we live right now, listen to me, this is just a testing ground. This is a proving time. And listen to me, God is watching. He's watching. How are we stewarding the days, the weeks, the months, the years, the hours that he's given us? So why sell out millions and millions of years in eternity for a few things in the here and now in the world's value system that are not gonna last? Let me ask you, how many of these issues have you settled in your life? Have you settled the issue of identity, who you are, so you don't have to keep trying to dress like everybody else and act like everybody else and be like everybody else in order to be accepted by man? Have you settled the issue of responsibility? Have you said, I'm not gonna blame anybody for where I am or who I am in my life? You're as close to God as you wanna be. You can't blame anybody else for it. You're as committed as you want to be. Have you settled the issue of priority? What really matters in life? What counts? Have you settled the issue of difficulty? What are you willing to put into it? What are you willing to sacrifice? Are you gonna keep your eyes on the value And on the reward, you wanna make your life count? Listen to me, it's your choice. Everybody say, it's my choice. You need to know, the most important issue to settle is your relationship with God. That's the most important issue. You will never resolve the other four issues of life until you settle this first one. And that is your relationship with God. If you haven't established a relationship with God, listen, do it today. Why wait? Why wait? If you've wandered away from him, today is the day to come back. Why wait? I don't understand people who would put off the most important thing in life. Say yes to Jesus today. Stop fighting him. I like what Jesus said to Paul when he knocked him off his high horse on the road to Damascus. He says, why are you kicking against the codes? In other words, why are you fighting me? Why are you fighting against me? I believe God's wrestling with some of you in this room. He's been wrestling with your heart and you think you're all good just because you go to church. Because you know some Psalms, you know some scriptures. Maybe you go to a small group, maybe you serve on a dream team. Do you know that it's possible to do all those things and your heart still be far from Jesus? It doesn't matter what, all the religious trimmings, they have their place and they are important. And I believe all those things I mentioned are huge important to your spiritual life, but not if you haven't established a relationship with God or come back to him because you've wandered off and you know who you are, right? Say yes to him. Make it count. Make it count. Everybody say, make it count. Make your life count. Make it count by saying, God, you made me for a purpose and I want to start living for that purpose today. I want to go your way. I want to accept your values. I don't want the world's values anymore. Now, I want you to know it will cost you. It'll cost you to be a Christian. It's free for us, but it cost Jesus. It cost Jesus his life. It cost him his life, and listen, it will cost you your life. When you become a Christian, when you become a follower of Jesus, you give up everything you've got, but then you've never had it so good. How? Because how many of you know you cannot outgive God? Come on, somebody. All of a sudden, you'll say, This is why I'm made. This is why I'm here. Come on, this is what counts. These are the values that are gonna last. How many of you want to make your life count today? Amen. Come on, did you receive this today, everybody? Did you receive the word? I want to encourage you not to miss one Sunday of this series over the next few weeks because we're gonna go, we're gonna go more specific and more deeper into how to make our life count for something bigger than us. Every head bowed, every eye closed this morning. No one moving around. I want everyone to reverence this moment for those of you that are watching online. I'm speaking to you too. Everyone know the sound of my voice today. I really believe there's not a person in this room, there's not a person online watching with us right now who does not want their life to count. I believe if I ask for a show of hands this morning, how many of you want your life to count? 150% of you would raise your hand and say, yes. Oh, I just want my life. I don't care how old you are. I don't care if you're a teenager. I don't care if you're in your 80s. As long as you have breath, God has a purpose for you, a vital purpose for you. Every one of you would say, I want my life to count. But have you settled these issues? I'm talking to you first. Follower of Jesus, believer, Christian. I'm talking to you first. Have you settled the issue of identity? Do you know who you are, who God made you to be? Or are you too busy trying to become what everybody else wants you to be? Have you settled the issue of priority? Do you know what matters most? Do you, do you know what values that you're gonna live by? Have you settled these issues? The issue of difficulty? What are you willing to sacrifice for it? Have you settled the issue of the heart? And whose life am I living anyway? Follower of Jesus, if you want your life to count, you gotta be like Moses. It's gotta be 100%. It's gotta be, you know what? I'm rejecting the world's value system. I'm saying yes to God's value system. I don't wanna be what the world wants me to be. I don't wanna be what my parents want me to be, what my spouse wants me to be, what my boss wants me to be, what my friends want me to be. I wanna be who God wants me to be. It's going all in 100%. Your life and my life will never count for eternity until our life is 100% surrendered to Jesus. So all over this room as heads are bowed and eyes are closed, first I'm talking to those of you who are followers of Jesus. Maybe you see yourself in one of these, one of these four things that we wrestle with, these identities all these things that we have. Maybe you see yourself wrestling today with some of these things, these four realities of life. And you just say, man, pray for me, pastor. I, I, want, I want my life to count. Oh, man, I just wanna be at peace with God. I wanna be like Moses, man. I, 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 I wanna go all in. I wanna be focused, man. I wanna fix my eyes on Jesus more than I am right now. I've been a little distracted by the things of this world and even by the chaos of this world. And man, today the Holy Spirit has just got my attention and I'm refocusing my vision because what I'm focused on will determine my future. And I just want you to pray for me. If that's you this morning, follower of Jesus, just lift your hand. I wanna pray for you right where you are, all over this room. Online, I wanna pray for you. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that you touch your people today. I thank you for your word. God, I pray that you would help us to be people that live our lives for something greater than this world. Help us to be like Moses and put others in our focus. It's all about people. Help us, God, to not place power and pleasure and possessions as of greater value than people, than your peace in our life, than your purpose that you created us for. God draws closer to you as your people. God, help us to be fixed in our eyes. Help us to fix our focus on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith so that we won't quit, so we won't give up. And at the end of our days, we can stand before you and we can know that our life counted. We made the most of what you gave us for your glory and your honor in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Just remain in prayer for one more moment as the Holy Spirit is moving in this room and online, I wanna also pray for those of you who are here or watching or listening by radio. I wanna pray for those of you in this room that would say, you know what? I think maybe I'm the one that because I'm in church or because I believe in the Bible or I know some songs or I serve or I go to small group or or, you know, I, I affiliate my identity in Christ with a church or a heritage of mine. But if you ask the question of me, is your heart connected intimately with the Lord Jesus Christ? Oh, Pastor, I don't know how I would answer that. I don't know if I can honestly answer the question. I don't know if I know that's real. I don't know if I could say that. If I were to be honest in my heart under the conviction of the Holy Spirit, I would have to say I feel like there's a distance between me and him. And maybe I've put my faith in religious trimmings and not in the relationship that he died to give me. But today, I'm not gonna wait. I want my life to count. And I'm gonna get this part right, this relationship with God thing right. For some of you, this is a commitment. This is a surrender of your life for the very first time. This is your first, the first time that you will ever really surrender your life to Jesus. It's gonna happen right now in this moment. But for some of you, this is a re-surrender of your life. Because you've wandered away from the thing that you know is real. Maybe you didn't mean to. Maybe it's because of things that you did or things that were done to you. I don't care which one it is. All that matters is the Holy Spirit is calling you back to himself. He's saying, come to me. I'll forgive you. I'll wash you clean. I don't judge you. There's no guilt. There's no shame. There's no condemnation. And for some of you, that's the prayer of your heart today. It's getting this most important part, the relationship right. And I want to pray for you if that's you. If you want a fresh start with God today spiritually, every head bowed, every eye closed, if that's you, I want you to shoot your hand up right now. Say yes, pray for me. I'm gonna pray with you right where you are. Come on, lift him up, lift him up. Be bold, be bold. Say yes to Jesus today in this room. God bless every one of you. Those of you online, I want to pray for you as well. We're gonna pray with you as a church family. I want everyone praying out loud. If you raised your hand, pray. This simple prayer of forgiveness and faith. I'm gonna lead you in it. Just pray it from your heart. We're gonna pray with you. We wanna be part of this great moment in your life. Come on, everyone praying out loud. Dear God, thank you for sending Jesus to die for me. Forgive me of my sins. Wash me clean. I surrender my whole life completely to you. Fill me with your spirit. Teach me to live for you. Thank you for a fresh start. In Jesus' name, and everybody said a big amen, and the church gets excited when people come to Jesus. Amen. That's what it's all about. Listen, very quickly, as you remain seated, if you did raise your hand and pray that prayer with me, would you do me a favor? I want to know who you are. We want to know who you are. Would you just reach into the seat back in front of you and pull out a connection card? It'll take you just a few seconds. Tell us who you are. Give us your information. Check the box that applies to you, whether it's your first time you've committed your life to Christ or or maybe this is you're recommitting, you're rededicating your life to the Lord today. We wanna celebrate with you. We wanna be praying for you. We also would love to just reach out to you by phone. Nobody's gonna haunt you and knock on your door or anything stupid like that. We just wanna maybe reach out to you by phone and just celebrate with you and also share with you some great opportunities that we have here at Vibrant Church to strengthen your relationship with God. Fill that out. You can drop that card in one of the containers the ushers are holding in the exit ways as you leave this morning. In church, this is that time in our service that we freely receive today. And I want us to do, what we always do, and I want us to freely give. I want us to be generous to God today. And I wanna share with you, there are three ways you can do that. For those of you that are in the building and you wanna give physically, most, many of you do that, you can use the envelopes and the seat backs in front of you and you can drop that in the containers the ushers are holding in the exit ways. You can also give uh, online. You can go to our website. You can go to vibrantchurch.com slash giving. It's safe and secure. You can give that way. Or you can do what most people do and you can text to give. You can text the word vibrant to 77977 and it'll give you a safe, secure way to be a part and to partner with us that way as well. You can also participate online if you're watching this. We'd love to have you participate and partner with us in reaching people for Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, God's touching lives, even in spite of the pandemic we're in, we're seeing God moving away here. That is unprecedented. And let me just tell you this. I know you've heard other people have said this to us on this platform, but I'm telling you what God's doing here at Vibrant Church is unprecedented. It's really phenomenal. I talk to pastors all over the country every week, churches this size, even bigger. And let me tell you something, what we're seeing happening here is an anomaly. We're right now hovering between 40 and 42% of our pre-COVID attendance at church. And you may think, well, that's kind of low. Well, let me tell you what the national average is. Right now, I talk to guys, this pastoring churches this size and bigger right now, that 15% is if they're lucky. 15%, 20%. Some of them are at 10% of pre-COVID in-person gathering And I have pastors that call all the time, bro, what is going on there? This is, that's incredible. All I can say is, man, the Holy Spirit is moving in spite of the difficulties that we're living in. How many believe God will establish his church and the gates of hell will not prevail against the church? So why am I telling you this? I'm telling you this because the kingdom, how many believe the kingdom of God is worth investing in? I said, how many believe the kingdom of God is worth investing in, right? It really is. People are what matter. And when you give to the Lord through Vibrant Church, when you return the tithe to him, like we do on in this moment, listen, you are giving for lives to be changed. The people who just came to Jesus is because of your generosity and your faithfulness. Also, don't forget about our Giving Hope outreach. I know you heard about it. It's our big Christmas outreach that's going on this Christmas. We need your help. Let's put people in front of pleasure this Christmas, there's a lot of hurting families during this time of, of the year, especially this year. And this is a way that we get to let parents be the heroes to their kids. We don't give, we're not giving them, we're not opening up the church as a shopping mall for them to come through and get gifts to go tell their, oh, this was sponsored by Vibrant Church. No, no, we want them to tell, this is for mom and dad. They don't even, their kids don't even have to know that it was because of the generosity of our people that let them have Christmas with their kids. A lot of hurting people. This is another way even above your tithe and your giving and your offerings, that we can be a part of putting people ahead. I want you to go to the Giving Hope Outreach booth and just ask questions of how you can be involved. It's very simple. And let's bless a whole bunch of people this Christmas. Amen, everybody. Father, I thank you that you've given us the opportunity to give today. Lord, bless the resources. Bless the giver abundantly. Use the resources for your glory. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. Would you stand to your feet today? And right before you walk out the door, I just want to pray a blessing over your life. Would you open up your hands before the Lord? I just pray the Lord would bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine on you. I pray that he give you peace and that he comforts you in Jesus name. And everybody said, amen. God bless you guys. Have a great week. I'll see you Wednesday night on Facebook.